0: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Uh, last week, we started this topic um, focusing on Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 7, um, which is always learning and never coming to the knowledge of the truth. I want to read this whole passage again um, that we mentioned last time, where St. Paul is speaking to St. Timothy about the things that are going to happen in the last days in terms of how people are going to change. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. We spoke uh, last time, uh, the first part of this, but unfortunately there was a problem with the stream and it never got recorded. Um, so I'm going to just try to go briefly over the part that we covered last time. Um, so for anyone who was here last time, this will be a little bit of a review and then we'll, we'll talk about the, the next part. So. Last time we focused on types of learning that does not lead to truth. The first one is the learning of the worldly wisdom. Um, The idea that uh, many people spend an inordinate amount of time studying um, the different uh, sciences or philosophies uh, of the world, uh, which is useful in and of themselves because they are beneficial to us in the world. But when you think about things from an eternal perspective, they are um, they, they only have they only have limited use here in the world and then afterward um, you know whether you uh, know about science or engineering or medicine or uh, whatever trade that you know, um, that knowledge is not going to be useful in heaven um, so we, we learn those things and we, we grow in expertise in those things because we want to be successful in the world and we want to be able to make uh, a living for ourselves but we should not make such learning to be the the kind of the focus and the goal of our life. You know, we, we, we do this because it's necessary to live, but it should not be, you know, my purpose. And my purpose is uh, an eternal and heavenly purpose. So this is the first time of learning that does not lead to the truth, it is the learning of becoming experts in the world um, does not lead to the heavenly wisdom. Uh, the second type of learning that does not lead to the truth is learning the Bible history and stories only, meaning if we focus our understanding of the scripture Um, And of any church books or church fathers or anything, just about wanting to become, just turning it into another field of expertise, Uh, just as I would um, any other field that I learn about is I I learn it, I memorize it, I can teach it. Um, Maybe I'm very successful in teaching it. Maybe. As a Sunday school teacher, for instance, I'm able to uh, draw upon many different sources, and I'm able to, 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 to expound on different things, and I can quote church fathers and scriptures and all these kinds of things, um, but it doesn't go any deeper than that. Um, kind of the way that maybe they teach Christianity in universities, um, where they teach it as uh, historical religion, here's the information, the facts, here's what it said, um, but, but it doesn't really go beyond just a series of facts and information. Uh, the third way or the third type of learning that doesn't lead to the truth, we said, was learning without faith. Meaning, I, I'm learning, but I'm not, um, I'm not uh, believing, right? I'm not really believing. Um, uh, it's, it's not something that uh, I've, re- I've really uh, committed to. Um, and a lot of times people will, will read the scriptures, um, but d- do it in a critical way, uh, criticizing it. Um, questioning everything in it. Instead of looking at at it as something that is like above me, above my mind, to where I need to ascend in order to reach it, in order to understand it, instead I criticize. So for instance, someone who struggles with this would read something in the scripture that is difficult, doesn't make sense to them, and so they will conclude that um, it's wrong. They will conclude that it's a contradiction. They will conclude that it's irrelevant. They will conclude that it's impossible, right? As opposed to thinking, well, maybe I don't yet have the ability to understand you know it reminded me of the ethiopian eunuch whom uh philip uh, saw when he was on the road uh you know this man he was reading the book of isaiah and philip asked him do you understand what you're reading and he said how can i understand unless someone explains it to me so he had this humility to say that i read the scripture I don't understand it, so I need someone to explain it to me so that I can understand. He wasn't criticizing the scripture because he didn't understand it. He actually looked at himself and he says, I am the one who's lacking understanding, and I need to be enlightened to be able to understand, so please explain it to me, right? As opposed to someone who would read something that doesn't make sense, and immediately they would just jump to some kind of conclusion or or, or criticism of it. So that's another type of learning that does not lead to truth. Um, We also spoke about learning but not applying meaning I'm, I'm learning, I'm learning, but I don't actually live it out. It's just knowledge and information and facts. Um, and as James said, what does it profit my brethren if someone says he has faith without works? Can faith save him, right? So um, we are, we, if, if, we do, if we say that we have faith and we have belief, right, but we don't see that manifested in our life, then again, this is something that is not profitable. This becomes just solely uh, the, 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 in the realm of, of academia, and philosophy and scholarly work, um, as opposed to that, I am living it out in my life. I'm making sacrifices. It's easy to read the scripture and to memorize it. It's much harder to apply it, especially when it requires sacrifice for us to be able to apply. Um, learning but not understanding. Um, you know the 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 apostles themselves um, that knew the Old Testament prophecies, and yet they did not comprehend how the Messiah. Uh, was fulfilling those prophecies in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. So so even after the resurrection, they still questioned. They didn't understand, what is it that you are going to do? They asked him, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Meaning what? Meaning that they thought he was going to be a king, who was going to come and rule like King David and establish a political uh, kingdom to overrule and, uh, and, 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 and rebel against the Roman Empire. So they, they were learning. But they didn't comprehend it what was the significance of it sometimes we read the scripture and we don't understand the significance or we don't understand how it applies to me as an individual it's easy for me to read the scripture and think of other people that this would apply to and we would say oh i wish such and such person would hear this i wish such and such person would read this or listen to such sermon right as opposed to thinking of how is it that i can how can i can how can i personally benefit what is its significance um in my personal life um the last point we mentioned was learning but not experiencing, uh, meaning I I have uh, I don't really have a relationship with God. I don't see these things played out in my daily life. Um, my life is not categorized by prayer, which is communication with God. Instead, it's just about learning information and knowledge and facts, believing that this is going to lead me to the truth. And such a person could become very very scholarly and philosophical, um, maybe able to debate, right? But to actually feel like you're a child of God is not the same thing as having knowledge of God. Um, to, to, to be a child means you experience the love of God. You taste and see, as King David said in the Psalms, taste and see the goodness of the Lord. How do I taste and see the goodness? Actually, um, sometimes we can taste and see goodness even when there's very little knowledge. If you ask like, a young child, do your parents love you? I would say yes. It's like, well, how do you know? You know they, they didn't read anything about the love of the parents. They didn't read any books that explained that the parents love them. They experience the love of the parents in their daily life. They see that the parents are feeding them, are clothing them, are doing good things for them, are loving them, right? That is an experience that we have. And so that experience is very important, right? So if all I'm doing is reading, 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 but I'm not participating in this life, in the spiritual life where I experience God in my life, then maybe also this is not going to lead me to the truth. It's just leading me to become an expert in a field, as opposed to having a relationship with God. So in a brief summary, that's what we talked about last time. Um, So now I want to talk about what keeps us from coming to the knowledge of the truth. The first is ignorance. Um, Not knowing that there is a truth. Not even believing that there is such a thing as an absolute truth. Not knowing that the truth has been revealed to us. You know, there is a, a group of... Uh, of people in the, uh, in the book of Acts. They were called the Bereans. And when St. Paul, or, or not Saint, uh, maybe St. Peter, uh, one of the apostles was preaching to them, um, it says what about them in Acts chapter 7? It says about these Bereans. He said, these were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Meaning when, when someone presented to them um a, a truth something that they hadn't heard of before they wanted to examine the scriptures and tell whether this was actually true imagine how people nowadays perceive the truth um it's really based on who is the biggest celebrity you know the one with the the, the most celebrity their voice is the loudest voice they say whatever it is that they say and then people run after them um kind of like sheep uh, without even thinking or 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 or, 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 or acknowledging like, does it even make sense what you're saying? Why am I following you? I'm following you just because you're the most popular person, you're the loudest voice, everyone else is following you. So I'm not actually taking the time to study, right? And to learn and understand. And this idea of searching, right? And reading and studying and researching and understanding, this is something that maybe, um, Current generations have lost the ability to do this or don't even understand the importance of it. Everything is social media, everything is short video clips, everything is just like, bam, you know, give me, give me something in eight seconds. And in those eight seconds, like I either, I like it or I didn't like it. It's more about emotion rather than understanding, right? It's more about the heart than the mind. Um, filling the mind with truth takes time. And examining ideas that are presented takes time it's much easier just to kind of like open your mouth and swallow whatever it is that people want to give to you right you know the formats on social media like TikTok or the YouTube shorts or these things you don't even control what videos you're gonna see you just swipe and then somebody decides the algorithm decides what you're gonna see next and you're just gobbling it up whatever it is you're gobbling it up you like it you didn't like it you switch to the next one you're gobbling it up you're not even choosing what it is that you want to to see You're not even doing a search to say, I want to know about such and such. I want to see such a thing. No, somebody else is deciding for you, you know, what it is that you are seeing. And so we have many people who are ignorant because they only see and they only know about the things that other people have chosen that they would see, right? This is one of the problems that we have, right, is that somebody else is deciding what you're being exposed to, even in the news, you know, like... um, the algorithms will decide what news to show you. You're not seeing everything. You don't know everything, what's happening in the world. You know what, you know, a small slice of it that this algorithm has decided is the most applicable to you. Something that's gonna get you to be interested so that you can watch the longest, so you can see the most advertisements and so on. And so what it leaves is is a, is, is that we are ignorant. We, we don't really understand, right? Um, and again, everything is in the short format and the eight seconds is a real thing. Like they did a study for like Gen Z and the, the attention span is eight seconds. That's why you'll find like advertisements are not on more than eight seconds. Like, like things are very uh, geared toward uh, like, like short attention spans, people being very distracted, right? So this unfortunately leaves us in a state of ignorance. You know, where were the days where people read and read and read? You know, um, Origen, he was the Dean of the School of Alexandria when he was 18 years old. You know, if you think about an 18 year old person now, what would you think they're capable of? You know, it's like if they're able to get decent grades in school, we're happy. You know, like if they're not on drugs, we're like, good job. You know, like if, 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 they're, if they're not completely dysfunctional, you know, as a teenager, then we're like, that's a successful kid, right? Whereas back in the day, right, you could be the, <laughs> the dean of the school of Alexandria when you're a teenager, right? Like how far have we fallen from that standard um of of our expectations of what we're actually able to achieve because back then maybe people focused on education more people actually like there was not as many distractions there was not as many things that would just divert one's attention to do frivolous things that had no value so people could invest the time to read and to learn and to grow and to mature and so on but if we are ignorant and we have not developed the skill of researching and learning then any idea That falls on me, I'm just going to accept it based on whether it feels good, based on who said it, based on if other people agree with it, right? So I'm not really examining anything. I'm not really testing anything, um, but I'm just accepting, right? So this is going to leave me in a state of ignorance and confusion. Another reason why um, we might um, not come to the knowledge of the truth is because of sin. Unrepented sin. In Isaiah 59:12, it says, "But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden His face from you, so that He will not hear." Ultimately, the one who um, mm-hmm. who enlightens us, who gives us the truth, who is the truth, is Christ. As we said last time. Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and in no other field do we say that truth is a person, but in Christianity, truth is a person. So if you want to have truth, you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the definition of truth um, in Christianity. So if I am living a life in sin away from God without repentance, then I am by definition separating myself from him, meaning I'm separating myself from the truth. Meaning the wisdom that comes from the work of the Holy Spirit, the discernment that comes from the work of the Holy Spirit in me is absent. So how is it that I'm going to look at something and discern? You know, when the scripture says, test the spirits. How am I going to test the spirits? How am I going to look at something and say, this is true and this is false? Not just that I might not have the knowledge, but I don't have the discernment. I don't have the work of God in me because I have separated myself from God. Your iniquities have separated you from your God. So living a life in sin is a big reason why many people remain ignorant and remain um, away from the truth, remain not knowing the truth because they are living this way. And actually a lot of times people who refuse to to come close to God or people for instance who might say I have a problem with Christianity because of one, two, three, four, five, all these theological reasons, okay. Um, a lot of times that's not really the reason, you know. We use maybe the or some people use the theological arguments to justify why they have chosen to um, not be part of the church. But the real reason is the church condemns their behavior. right? Like I choose a certain lifestyle that makes me happy. right? And I know that the church condemns me for it. The church is telling me this is against the commandment of God. You should not do this. right? And so I want to convince myself that this church doesn't know what they're talking about. Right? like they, I, I come up with these nice sounding theological arguments and debates speaking about why the, 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 the church and the Christian faith is wrong and whatnot, but what I'm really doing is I'm just justifying my stance because I don't want to submit to the will of God. This goes to the idea of learning without experience. Part of our experience is and part of our application of our faith is submitting our will, which is very difficult. Right? like If my will tells me I want to go down a certain way, um, and I feel very strongly about that, but it's a way that God has condemned, and he says this way is wrong. Right? In order for me to really apply um, the learning that I have, to apply the understanding of the faith that I have, I have to be willing to sacrifice and give up that thing um, and submit my will to God. Because if I do not submit my will, then my, um, my relationship with God is damaged. And the the, the voice of God, right, in my heart, my conscience um, is is crippled. So when I am presented with truth, I can't tell if it's true, right? Actually, maybe I'm attracted to falsehood because falsehood is more in line with the lifestyle that I have chosen. So because I desire sin, um, the word of God condemns me. I don't want to read the word of God. And because I don't read the Word of God, I don't come to the truth. Or if I do read the Word of God, I read it to criticize it. I read it to attack it. I read it to belittle it. I read it without the belief that this is truly life-changing and this is we should all conform ourselves to this truth. So unrepented sin is a big reason why maybe some people um, do, not, do not know the truth. Another is the cares of life. We are so dis- busy and distracted by so many things that we don't take the time that we need in order to invest in our spiritual life and do spiritual practices that help us to be planted firmly in God and in the church. And so we find that our understanding is limited, our drive for God, our passion for God is limited because we are so busy with the world. In Haggai chapter 1, uh, the prophet here is, is speaking um the words of God to the people. This is after the people returned from the exile and they uh, have yet to build the house of God or rebuild the house of God that remains in ruins. After the people returned from the exile, everybody cared about what? I want to build my house. I want to build my place, the place that I'm going to live, right? And they left the house of God desolate, right? So the prophet is coming now to condemn them. And this is what he says. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of Hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of Hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring wood and build a temple, that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts, because my house that is in ruins while every one of you runs to his own house. Meaning, you have spent all of your time focusing on your own house, on your own things, on your own family, on your own work, on your own money, on your own career, on your own retirement, on your own whatever, right? And you have left my house in ruins. Why didn't you spend the time to go and build my house, right? So metaphorically for us, right, it is why are you so busy and distracted by the things in the world and you do not come and and sacrifice time money effort energy resources whatever the case might be for the house of god for your own edification for your spiritual life and he makes it very clear that all of the effort that they're putting in their own life is actually futile because he says you earn wages to put into a bag with holes you drink but you are not filled with drink you eat, but you do not have enough. Meaning every action that you do um, on your own, in your distracted state that you are in, neglecting my house, it is, it, its end is nothing because I have not blessed it, right? Like God is saying, when I bless it, then even the little becomes much. Like today in the gospel about the feeding of the multitude, you know, he took the, the five loaves and the two fish, something very meager, something very small, could feed barely anyone, and he multiplied it to where it could feed 5,000 men, Right? That's the blessing of God. But here he's saying the opposite. He's saying if you come with the food that is for the 5,000 men, but it is not blessed by God, then it will feed no one. right? Because sometimes we think, and again, the cares of life, going after success, financial success, career success, whatever the case might be, at, at neglecting the house of God. It is not wrong to be successful. But for those who go after this success, neglecting God, neglecting the spiritual life he's saying I will not bless you and all the effort that you do will be for nothing right and so this is another reason maybe why we don't come to the knowledge of the truth right we are always learning but never coming to the knowledge of the truth because all of my effort and energy is spent on myself on my own life on my own things and I'm not spending that time um, and, and allocating time for God in any of it okay consequences of worldly wisdom just a few points One is grief and sadness. Interesting, okay? So in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, King Solomon says, For in much wisdom is much grief, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. What kind of wisdom is he talking about? He's not talking about the godly wisdom. He's speaking about the worldly wisdom. He's saying the more you advance in knowledge of the world, what will happen to you? You're going to increase in sorrow, which is strange right like you might think it should be the opposite why is increasing in knowledge wrong why is what is wrong with increasing in knowledge why is it going to bring sorrow right because in the world ultimately the world is corrupted like we are we are investing all of our time to know more about the corrupted world and as we know more and more about the world we more and more discover its corruption you know why is it that god didn't want adam and eve to eat of the the tree of knowledge of good and evil you might say well wouldn't it be good for them to know about good and evil but what was it actually going to do it was going to destroy their innocence right god wanted them to remain innocent look at the difference in the stress level between a child versus an adult you know the children they live in the same world as the adults but they are completely oblivious to the world they don't know anything about the world. They know anything about the, the problems that can happen in the world, the stress that can happen in the world, the catastrophes that happen in the world. They don't know anything about any of that. And so they live their life completely innocent and happy, right? But as adults, when we now are very aware of all the stresses and all the problems and all the things that can go wrong in the world, what happens to us? We're just stressed out. We're worried. We're afraid. We feel like, you know, um, I have to make a way on my own, and that causes us stress to secure our own way. Whereas children don't know anything, and yet God takes care of them. Just like the Lord said in the Sermon on the Mount, you know, if, you, if, if God even uh, clothes the grass of the field, or if even he gives food to the birds, right? how much more will he give to you? But how hard is it for us as mature, sophisticated, knowledgeable adults, to, to believe that God is going to feed us just like he feeds the birds, you know? No, we think, no, I have to work, and I have to make money, and, 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 and if I don't, then I'm not going to be able to pay the bills, and I am not going to be able to do this. It causes stress, right? Whereas he's telling us, no, actually, I provide for you everything. Yes, you do your part, but in the end, I'm the one who provides everything for you. So what is the, all of this knowledge that we've learned about the world, though it might be necessary for us to function in it, But it also brings grief right it brings grief so this is actually one of the consequences of the worldly wisdom some of it is inevitable some of it we have to go through um right but that is then the struggle right how is it that i can know about every possible thing that can go wrong but at the same time i'm without care i'm without i'm without without worry i keep trusting in god in it wisdom of the world brings grief also despair in Ecclesiastes chapter 2 he says therefore I hated life because the work that was done under the sun was distressing to me for all is vanity and grasping for the wind um, a lot of young people have the experience that after they spent an entire lifetime looking forward to being done with school and working and being adults and uh, making money for themselves then when they begin work their conclusion is I waited all this time for this. Like this is, this is so difficult and it's so burdensome and every day I go to work and every day I do the same thing and I'm tired and I have no freedom, right? Um, because work is distressing because that is actually the curse that God gave to Adam when he said, by the sweat of your brow, you know, you're going to work the land and the land will be difficult for you to work saying the world is corrupted. In the garden, the work that God gave Adam was pleasant and delightful and easy and fulfilling. But in the corrupted world, all of the work that we do is painful and difficult and boring and tedious, right? So yes, there are some of us who love what we do, but even those who love what we do, right? We don't love it all the time. We don't love it every day. And there are all kinds of stresses that might come in our work and our career right so he's saying i hated life because the work that was done under the sun was distressing meaning in the end people spend their entire life working entire life working to make money so that they could live and then in the end when you die you don't take any of it with you and one of the main points of the book of ecclesiastes when king solomon was writing is like what is the point of all you're doing work to live but don't live to work like like all of the effort that you're putting into this is, is, is in the end gonna be taken from you, right? So why are you putting such an inordinate amount of effort and time and energy to make a career for yourself, to make a life for yourself, when in the end, it's all gonna be taken away? And so this stress that comes with all of this work can bring also despair. This is one of the consequences of the worldly wisdom, right? Of the worldly success, of the focus only on the world and not focus on the world to come. Destruction um in proverbs fourteen twelve I quote this all the time. it says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death like okay, so the what is the way that seems right to a man? The way that seems right to a man is the worldly wisdom right like like the 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 one who who knows the most the one who is wise in the ways of the world, who thinks that their approach and their way is the key to success, the key to happiness, the key to joy, the key to... to, And they'll write books about it and, and give talks about it. Be like, I have found the way, read my book. You know, I'll tell you the way for you to be successful in your life, right? But again, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. What is it that actually brings life? It is only God that brings life because God is the source of life. And the only way for us to continue to have eternal life is in him. No other means, no other no books, no no speeches, no 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 celebrities, n- no one who claims all of this wisdom and understanding and having made it and life coaches and all these people, they don't know really anything about anything, right? All they do is talk to make money for themselves, right? God is the only one who brings life. And if someone is trying to find life and joy without God, they will never find it and they will actually bring destruction on themselves because they will have wasted their entire life pursuing something that that cannot be attained, right? This is the way that seems right to a man. It seems right because the world affirms it as being right. The world says this is right, right? And so everybody goes after it believing that this is the way, but what? Its end is the way of death. So it's also a consequence of worldly wisdom. It could be destruction itself. So in conclusion, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it says, Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. What does it mean to say that let him become a fool? Meaning leave behind the pursuit of the worldly wisdom and focus on pursuing the heavenly wisdom. Like, don't Don't put such a value on the worldly wisdom. Again, worldly wisdom is necessary in many things. Because for instance, if you never get a degree, all right, then you cannot have a, a career and you cannot have, make a living. So the idea is not that you should never learn anything about the world, we have to learn about the world, right? But don't let the, 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 the pursuit of the worldly knowledge be your goal, that's not the goal. That's a necessary thing that must happen because we are in the world. But don't let that be the goal, don't let that be the thing you chase after and don't glory in it. Be like, wow, look at me, look at what I've achieved. No, he's saying the person who should glory is the person who has attained the heavenly wisdom, the heavenly life, the spiritual life, not the person who has this world. He says, let him become a fool that he may become wise. And sometimes, you know, we, we, we have to let go of something in order to, to carry something else. Like, you know, if, if, you, if your hands are full, if you have something that you're holding in your hands and then somebody wants to give you something else, what do you do? You have to let go of something in order to pick up the other thing. So if God is asking, he's saying, he wants to give us the heavenly, right? But our hands are all full of the worldly and we don't have any other hands. So we have to let go of something in order to take and grab something else. When, when, when Christ said, you cannot serve both God and mammon, right? You cannot have both things in your hand at the same time. You cannot have the desire for the worldly success and the desire for the heavenly success simultaneously because you will either love one and hate the other, you know, or vice versa so this is the this is the bottom line of this the bottom line is um, the worldly wisdom has its place and it's necessary but it should not become god to us right and again this is what saint paul was speaking about here in this verse always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth always gaining knowledge always gaining more information always becoming more of an expert always having more Uh, information about the news about science about uh, you know whatever it is career that i'm doing but all of this knowledge is it actually leading me to the ultimate truth which is god or is it just leading me away from him right and this is one of the 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 signs and the 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 prophecies that saint paul said that will happen in the last days um so i think it was important for us to to discuss it glory be to god forever amen any final comments or questions Okay, come pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. We thank you, O Lord, for this day. We ask for your blessing in everything, and we ask, O God, that you fill us with your knowledge, and do not let us pursue only this vain and worldly knowledge um, that leads to destruction. Help us, O God, to be mindful of you at all times and to remember what is the most important thing and what is it that we value in our life. Guide us and protect us, and, c- and protect us, O Lord, from the temptations of the enemy that comes fiercely upon us, that as, O Lord, your scripture says, in the last days, perilous times will come, times, O Lord, that will that will test us, times that will bring us, O Lord, um, to the brink of falling. Yet protect us, O Lord, from, from the fall so that we do not fall, and that we remain faithful to you at all times. With the prayers of St. Mary, Archangel Michael, St. Paul, St. Mark, and all your saints,